And good morning, Church Ohana and friends, those of you here in this room, those of you online, good morning. It's really good to be with you this Sunday um, after having my parents in town for a couple different weeks. We just spent three days with them uh, last weekend on the Big Island before they flew back to the Philippines in their ministry there. And so Dan, the kids, and I, we're here this Sunday, but then we're going to be gone, um, as Pastor Yumiko mentioned, uh, with the generous gift of time that Wellspring has given us uh, to be in Florida with my sister for three weeks. And I have this very old picture of her family. It is from years ago. I think I can pull it up in just a second. Oh, wait, Karen's going to fix it. There we go. Uh, Her baby is like four years old now, so... (laughs) I'm going to update that photo when I come back. So we're going to be spending some time with her, uh, my sister Esther, and her husband Yoon, and their Keiki. And the kids get to have some cousin time. So I promise I will get an updated photo and bring it back to you in three weeks. <laughs> and while I'm gone, as mentioned, Pastor Yumiko and Pastor Cheryl will be present on island. Um, and Pastor Dan will actually be back in just two weeks. So you're going to be well cared for in my absence. And um, I'm also excited because we're going to be having the outgoing president of our denomination, um, Reverend John Renwick, who's going to be here in just a couple weeks to share. So you have some, um, you're going to get to hear from our pastor team as well as from John. And I'm excited about that. That's going to be good. I'm going to have to like try to keep myself from logging on online that morning. (laughs) We'll see. Maybe I can like sneak on. So now while my parents were here visiting, um, we made a lot of good memories as you do when you get together with family. There's good memories, there's some stressful memories. And as I was thinking about this past time with them, I was actually reading this study that says that somehow we happen to remember like negative things at a higher rate and more detailed than the positive things. So if you have a negative memory, you're more likely to remember it in more detail than around the same time if you had a positive memory. And scientists go on to tell us that it takes something like, you know, depending on the study, takes up to five positive like events to sort of psychologically outweigh like one negative one. Uh Uh-oh, my kids are screwed. (laughs) Thank God for therapy. Um, And so we had lots of really good moments with my parents. There was one moment that was just kind of like a little bit off, and I keep thinking about it. And um, it was an event, we went to the beach. Uh, We went to um, Hunana Niho in Waimanalo. But first of all, I have some pictures of happy things to show you. So these are three happy things. Yay! (laughs) We went to the beach, we saw the the volcano, we got really cold in Mauna Kea, so we had some great things happen. And then this this next story, the not-so-great one, I don't have a picture of it, so you're just going to have to, like, picture it in your mind, okay? So we go to Hunana Niho Beach, which is also called Sherwoods. And we get there, and it's a gorgeous day. There's not a lot of people in the water, and, you know, my youngest son just runs right into the water, and Grandpa follows him, and Poppy follows him. And there's some people on, on either side of us, but not too many. My mom and I kind of settle down on the sand, and there's this um, holly, like kind of a younger guy body surfing next to, you know, Andre and Poppy, his grandpa. And then the guy kind of gets out of the water and walks past my mom and I, like, very angrily, like very, you know, sloshing us with sand as we went. And we're like, what's going on with that? And so, you know, I go over to my dad, who's still in the water, and I, I saw that he and this guy had had this little interchange. I'm like, what happened there? My dad's like, oh, yeah, you know, he's body surfing next to us. So I turned to him and I said, beautiful day. And I was just trying to be nice. And the guy's like, that's not respectful. I'm just about to leave. And my dad's like, uh, I didn't mean any disrespect. And the guy's like, thank you for your apology, and then gets up and leaves the water. Isn't that weird? It's just weird. You're like, what happened? Did, did he mishear my dad? Maybe he thought my dad was saying, get out of our way. <laughs> you're like, 
you're in our way. Like, what rhymes with, with day? I don't know. But there was this weird interchange, you know, amidst the harmony of the sun and sky and sand and sea, there was this disconnection, this jarring experience. These two people's communication seemed to miss each other. It was a really poor listening experience. And this last week, as I was just sort of meditating on poor listening experiences, you know, my own and others, um, I actually found this example of poor listening experiences online. Dan found it for me. Um, there's this one woman, she's a, a Twitter influencer, and she posted a very short um, bad listening experience she experienced. And then all these other people sort of wrote in the thread underneath hers. This is her poor listening experience. She goes, a hot guy at my job asked me if I had any plans, and I told him 15, because I thought he said plants. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Okay, and so all these people started writing underneath her, her post. This person said, I met someone in a club, and when I asked him what he did, I thought he said magician. So I asked him to show me some tricks. <laughs> he looked surprised, but did. It wasn't until much later I found out he'd said musician. <laughs> Like, how did he know tricks? What? And then during an army interview, they asked me what I would do if I found a snack in the middle of the jungle. I said I'd pick it up and probably eat it. They were shocked. They actually meant snake. <laughs> what would you do if you saw a snake in the middle of the jungle? Oh, I think it's become loose. Okay, I will try not to move very much. Okay, so we have these poor listening experiences. And poor listening experiences can be really jarring, right? Almost as bad as bad sounds. Okay, can you mute me on this one? And I'm going to go to the other microphone. Thank you, Pastor Cheryl. That's going to be better. I can move around a little bit. Okay. Loose connections or missed connections are the worst. <laughs> okay, so good listening. Good listening is a treasure, right? On the other hand, right? Poor listening, it can, it can fracture people. Poor listening can start wars, but good listening can end them. Good listening can heal wounds, can bring us together in unique ways can free us from shame. Good listening can transcend our difference, can unearth the truth. Good listening is something that you and I maybe weren't born with, but we can grow into. And good listening is a way that we can show God's love and care for others. Now, when I think about good listening, um, sometimes I think about good hearing, right? Mishearing each other. And yet hearing and listening don't always go together because some of the best people I know who are wonderful communicators are people that cannot hear. They're either hard of hearing or they're deaf because they've been able to learn a way of really observing the person, paying attention, listening to the, the words signed or spoken and to the whole person's body. So listening, good listening, isn't necessarily about hearing. It's about the loving attention we bring to another person. Now, if you're just joining us today and you're like, why are we talking about listening? It's because this summer series, we are going through uh, the word bless, B-L-E-S-S. -S. And we're going to be looking at five missional practices. The word bless, each one of those letters stands for one of them. And these are five missional practices that help us share God's heart and join God's mission to reach and restore each person and change our world. Last week, Larry talked about the first practice, B, how we're to begin with prayer. And he went through these, um, this circle, sort of this Frank model, and Frank stands for friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, coworkers, all these people we can be thinking of sort of within our sphere of influence, um, people we can be praying for. 
And so hopefully you were able to spend some time last week making your own list of people you just want to be praying for, for God to bless. So that's the B. Today we're moving on to L, which is listen with care. We're going to be opening up a passage of scripture that I've always loved and simply don't talk about enough. It's that story from the early church. Now, just to give you a little bit of context before we open up to Acts chapter 8, Philip is one of the early church leaders, and he has just gone back to Jerusalem after teaching in the region of Samaria. And Samaria is a place where there was like a lot of ethnic and racial tensions between Samaritans and those people who lived outside of Samaria in Judea and Jerusalem area. And the thing is, like, as people heard the good news about Jesus, a lot of these dividing lines, a lot of these old grievances were able to be talked about and processed and released and healed in Jesus' name as people found themselves included. So it was a time of like celebration and healing and restoring and empowerment, but it was also a time of persecution because whenever like something good happens, uh, the people who, um, like the religious leaders and, and stakeholders of the day really pushed back against that because they didn't want this new wonderful thing happening, right? They wanted um, people to be following them. So that's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 8, 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Then the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit beside him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very same passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, found himself at Azotus and traveled about preaching the good news in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So moving right away to number one in your notes, we join God to bless, bless others, bless our world. When we, number one, listen to partner with God, we join God to bless when we listen to partner with God. Now, this is one of those like very unique stories in scripture that only happens because of divine intervention. Right, like Philip, he didn't just like happen upon the stretch of the road. He wasn't just like jogging one day and like found a chariot next to him and like listened and realized the guy was reading from Isaiah the prophet. No, Philip goes there purposely because he was listening. Philip found himself having this quite extraordinary day where he was able to bless this person that God loves, all because he was listening to God. 
Now, I think sometimes we think that listening to God, especially when we read passages like this, I tend to think that listening to God is all about like asking God for guidance. Like, where should I go to school? Or what job should I take? Or which person should I pursue a relationship with? Or should I go on that trip? What should I do now that I retire? Right, and often I think that it's not just me who thinks this, but a lot of times we can think that listening to God is primarily about listening for guidance. And there can sometimes be some anxiety associated with this, like a lot of shoulds. What should I do? Interestingly, listening for guidance is only one little aspect of listening to God, because listening to God is actually about growing relationship. And I love about this that Philip has gotten to the point in his growing relationship and communication with the divine that he's not necessarily listening for what he should do every day, but he's, his loving attention is placed on God. And so when the Spirit of the Lord has something that wants to be done, Philip is sensitive to that, has this little nudge inside that says, go to that road. And Philip, who's partnered with God before, realizes it can be really good when he listens to those nudges. So Philip does that. Um, just as a side, if you're curious about hearing more from God and kind of cultivating this relationship, there's this old but good book I'd recommend. It's called Hearing God by Dallas Willard. And um, there's like an older copy of it on one side and then the side with all those like like straight lines it looks a little bit more modern. That's the 2021 version. In a varsity, I think like every 10 years, like revamps the cover and puts it out again. It's a great story, um, a, a great way of looking at hearing God that takes us beyond just asking for guidance and really talks about formation. Who are we growing to be? How do we sort of organize our life so that we can be open to hearing from God. We have that relationship. So it's a good book. If you ever want to read it, I'd recommend it. Um, okay, so book, book plug aside, old but goody uh, book plug aside. Um, there's been a couple times in my life where I did experience sort of like these nudges from God. And some of the time I dismiss it because I think like, whatever, that's just me or what I ate yesterday. But sometimes I listen to them. And one of the times I did listen to it, yes, that happens. When, I'm going to tell you a good, can I tell you a good story, please? Like a time I listened? Yeah. <laughs> okay. This doesn't mean I always do, but it means sometimes I do. <laughs> I, tr I swear I'm not trying to make myself look great. It's just a happy story. Okay. So um, after I graduated seminary, um, Dan and I were still in, in um, California, and I spent one year as a chaplain resident at this medical center in Burbank. And um, after being there a couple months, uh, sort of as part of the training we're going through, they have a little bit more trust of us. Uh, at first, they put you like on the baby wards, like where not too much is happening. Um, and by baby wards, I don't mean actual babies, because those are very like high stakes places. They place you like in a surgery ward or some place where you know, not too many people are dying or there's not too much stress. But after a couple of months, they sort of open it up after they've seen you do some work. And they're like, where would you like to be? And I knew I wanted to spend some time in the ICU just for experience, but I was allowed two units. And the other unit that I kept feeling the nudge with was the ED, the ER. That's where the emergency room is. I really didn't really want to do the ER because it's like a really high stress place. And I tend to be like a high stress person. So to go there, I had to like make myself really calm. And then something would happen and I'd have to take all this energy to make myself really calm. And it was just exhausting, right? So I decided to listen to the nudge. I spend more time in the ED and I would do a round in the ER every day when I came in. And then I would try to do another one in the evening. And as I began to do that, the unit began to get to know me more. I began talking to the doctors and the staff there. And one of the doctors became a friend. He was this lovely gay man who called me Mother Confessor. And he began to ask me to check on certain people that he knew were in a crisis, that were coming in and really in need of spiritual care. So I began doing that. 
And then I began to get to know security and like the overnight staff more. Once I was called in in the middle of the night because this guy had died. I don't know if he was like a drug lord or a mob guy, but he had a lot of security, his own security that came with him. And he had two families, two wives. Um, I think like I think one had ended and the other one had begun, but they each had their own security as well, their own entourage. So the ED is filled with this guy's people. And then one of the groups of people is accusing the other one of murdering the man. <laughs> so it's very dramatic. Everybody's stressed out. The police are there. We need to get a translator. It's very, very high stakes. And me being present and being able to talk with the staff and minister to them as well as do my best with this guy's family really led to increase of trust until by the end of my time there, they began calling me when women were brought in who had been sexually assaulted. It wound up being a very hard but very holy time because I'd listened to this nudge to go spend a little bit more time in the ED. It wound up being a rich time for me too as I was able to connect with people I never thought I would be. I was able to see people in very real situations in life who didn't have anyone else there. Friends, God wants to partner with us to bless others. Now, God knew where to send Philip, right? Just like God knew where to kind of give me the nudge to in this hospital. God knows where to send you to, right? God knew where Philip was going to be that day, and he knew to nudge him to go to this place because he knew that this Ethiopian eunuch was going to be passing through on his chariot, reading Isaiah with questions. God knew where to bring Philip, but also God knew why to bring Philip, right? In our story for today, there's a lot of people in the early church, like a lot of good people. Why bring Philip? Well, if you zoom out and look at Philip's story, I know you're are you asking that question? Why Philip? Yes, let's ask that question. Why Philip? Let me tell you. Okay, so <laughs> Philip was uniquely prepared to bless this man and introduce him to Jesus. Because if you were to take a look at Philip's background, you would see that he was someone working in the early church. And the early church was rapidly growing, right? It was diversifying. All these Greek-speaking Jews and Gentiles who are non-Jewish people are coming in. And Philip was one of seven Greek-speaking individuals who were handpicked by the disciples to help shepherd, help care for, and help do some administrative work with this growing community. And they chose Philip, who was himself of a different cultural background. Right? He was a Greek Jew in a culture of Hebrew Jews. And his cross-cultural ministry was so impactful that he became known as the evangelist because he could talk to anybody. He knew what it was like to be on the outskirts. He knew what it was like to be a minority. And God sends Philip to this Ethiopian man because God had prepared Philip through this work, through his background, through his life story and experiences. And friends, God knows the intricacies of your story. As you get ready to listen with care to people who God is moving your way, know that some of the things that make you unique, some of the things about your story that are, that are part of your story, might be ways that you might be able to uniquely come alongside somebody else to bless them. So we join God to bless when we listen to partner with God, and that was the really long one. So I promise the rest are going to go really fast. Number two in your notes, we, listen, we join God to bless when we listen with respect. We join God to bless when we listen with respect. One of the things that chaplaincy taught me was um, the importance of listening with respect. And in chaplaincy training, I learned that listening with respect means coming alongside somebody and listening to learn. So automatically, you're assuming that the other person has something of value to share. So take kind of this humble posture. 
What I love in our story for today is that Philip comes alongside this Ethiopian eunuch, like literally at first, right? Like you have this chariot moving along and then you have like Philip like running along behind him and then beside him, I can kind of see him looking the window like he hears Isaiah being read. He's like, hey, do you know what you're reading? I'm like what? That's such a great story. He's literally alongside the man and not just um, literally, not just physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. He comes alongside this man and, and starts a conversation with where the man is at, right? He doesn't come and have a totally different conversation. Hey, have you heard of Jesus? He doesn't do any of that. He starts with right where the person is at. He's treating him with respect, assuming that there's something of value there for him to learn. He's coming alongside him. And friends, as you go through um, people on your blessed list, you take time to try to have conversations with them. Listening with respect to learn more is a huge way you can show God's healing love as well as your own care. And I'm really hoping that we'll be able to hear some stories from you all as the summer goes on and how you, you listen to learn on how you're able to have some um, conversations with those people you've been praying for. You might ask yourself, what is this person thinking about? What sort of articles are they sharing on social media? What conversations are they having? At work, are they having conversations about equity and inclusion? Or in their family, are we having conversations about current events or hopes and dreams or the future? Listening with respect means listening to learn more. So you don't jump right in with your opinion, <laughs> right? Philip knew a lot about the book of Isaiah and he doesn't come in and be like, hey, I'll tell you exactly what that means. Like he has a question first. In fact, his question gives the man agency to reply and learn more or not. He puts the choice in the man's camp. He's a respectful listener. And we can be too. And we join God to bless number three in your notes. First, we listen to partner with God. That's how we can bless others. When we listen with respect. And then number three, when we listen to go deeper. We join God to bless when we listen to go deeper. So as Philip comes alongside this eunuch, right, with respect, everything he does is designed to go deeper in conversation and meaning. So it's not just sort of shallow or on the surface, but it's really kind of getting to the heart of things, like where things really matter. That's what we mean when we say go deeper. It can sound so vague. It just means getting to the heart, getting to the point. I love verse 30. Philip hears this man reading Isaiah 53, and he asks this question, do you understand what you are reading? There's all these multiple levels of listening here, right? At first, Peter, uh, Philip is listening to the text that the eunuch is reading aloud so they can go deeper. He's listening to the eunuch's questions about the text because the eunuch's going to have questions about that. He's listening to the spirit of the Lord who told him to run up to this chariot. Philip is doing a lot of listening all to go deeper. What I love about this is that Philip is not the only one listening. In fact, he's not even the best listener in this story. The eunuch is listening. Right? He's totally listening. He's listening to the text. He's listening to the spirit that has drawn him to this place, to Jerusalem, to worship. He's listening to Philip all to go deeper. Because he has some questions about the text that to him don't make sense. Just as you and I may have questions about the texts we read in scripture that don't make sense to us. All of us have a limitation at some point and we need someone to come alongside us. That's okay. That's more than okay. You can be that person for others. And other people can be that person for you. Philip is listening to go to the heart. The eunuch is listening to go to the heart of the matter. And lastly, listen to include. We join God to bless when we listen to partner with God, when we listen with respect, we listen to go deeper. We listen to include. Let me unpack this for a minute. We join God to bless when we listen to include. 
Now, in my experience, sometimes when we listen to people, we're actually listening for a difference. And I remember growing up as a kid in the Philippines, as a missionary kid, a lot of times people would ask my parents, like, what kind of, what denomination are you part of? And they would do this. They sort of know, like, theologically where to place you. Like, are you friend or foe? Can we have you speak at our thing or not? Um, and I remember one particular memory. This was in the 80s. So this was a long time ago. Um, we were staying at this guest house in Manila. And... Um, the the director of the guest house and it was a denominational guest house it was not our denomination it was a different denomination because we were kind of part of a, like a sort of a loose denomination it was like this group of churches or pentecostal that kind of send people out so we're staying in this denominational guest house not our own and the director of that asked my mom what denomination we were and my mom's like oh we're not part of like a denomination just a parachurch network parachurch network of pentecostal churches and the director did not like that <laughs> I mean, Pentecostals, like all hoo-hoo-y, spiritual, Holy Spirit, like, what do you believe? So they asked us to leave. They asked us to leave. Now, I would have to say that the joke's on them, because then I worked for seven years in one of those denominational churches as a worship pastor. So, ha-ha, the Holy Spirit, hoo-hoo, come to get you in the end. <laughs> but sometimes we listen to exclude, we listen to categorize, and that is not the kind of listening we see here. I mean, sometimes I've even talked to people, I remember in chaplaincy talking to people, and they'd say, you know what, I had a terrible experience at the church, because I went with my mom, and once they found out that she was a single mom, they don't want anything to do with us anymore. Sometimes we listen for information, and then we can write people off, and we don't always do it, but when we do, it bears fruit that is not of God. It is not the way of the Holy Spirit, because God listens and longs to include. If you look at our story for today, the Ethiopian eunuch, he, he's in the middle of their conversation. He sees water outside the chariot. And after hearing Philip talk about Jesus, he longs to be part of this new covenant community, this new ohana that's formed in the shape and in the name of Jesus. So he asks this question in verse 36. I love this question. Is there anything in the way to prevent my being baptized? Different translations put it different ways. I love this one translation. Is there anything in the way to prevent my being baptized? And see there in the art, he's looking out the chariot, he sees the water. Is there anything in the way? Friends, some might say that there was a lot in the way for this man. The text tells us that he's a powerful man, right? He's in charge of the treasury for the queen of Ethiopia, but he's also a eunuch. I've used this word many times so far. You might be wondering, what is that? A eunuch in that time and in that day was to be a sexual minority. They were a bit like a third gender in the ancient world, viewed as non-men men. Some having been born that way, some having been made that way, often at the choice of others. An average experience for a eunuch at the time was that they would have been taken as a child before they hit puberty away from their families. They would have been tied down and trigger alert, oh, I should have said this earlier, um, violence and scary images. Um, they would have been tied down and had their testicles either, either crushed or cut away, and sometimes the whole male parts as well. Then they would be given away and sold as servants or slaves. And historians tell us that like two out of three children did not survive the procedure. Two out of three died as a result of being castrated. And as they grew, you could physically identify a eunuch because their appearance uh, was different. They would look a little bit more feminine, say historians. 
And then because they were viewed as sort of like non-men men, they were sort of elevated to these high positions in court, right? They would sometimes be placed in oversight of the, of the king or emperor's harem, right? Because they could not impregnate the women because they could not have children. Sometimes they worked their way up to a high level of authority, you know, um, where they were in charge of the treasury or resources of the kingdom. And sometimes as slaves, they were made to be lovers of high-ranking people, like, like Sporus, who history tells us was forced to marry the emperor Nero after having castrated as a child. So to be a eunuch meant that you had the possibility of a life and, and sometimes a life of service and even sometimes a life of power as a leader, but it was also a life where you were constantly viewed as an other and often treated as an outcast. This Ethiopian eunuch, there was a lot in the way between him and unconditional love because he had not known that. He had known a life of pain, of challenges, of being misunderstood and vilified, being misunderstood because of his body. He was a powerful outsider. Again, in spite of everything that was in the way that people had placed there, this eunuch took time in his schedule to take two months away to visit Herod's temple in Jerusalem. It would have taken two months for him to leave Ethiopia and travel to Jerusalem. And when he got to Jerusalem, he wouldn't have even been able to go into Herod's temple because they would not allow eunuchs, these sexual minorities, in. And yet still he went anyway. I can only imagine maybe how disappointed he was when he found out he could not enter. I do not know. All I know is on his way back home, the Spirit told Philip to go to that road, to run alongside that chariot, because God is listening, and God listens to include. God listens to include. And friends, people all around us are seeking God. They might be minorities of different types. They might be ethnic minorities or sexual minorities. You might not understand them. They might feel very different to you, but they are seeking God and God is seeking them. And there is nothing from God's perspective that can be in the way because God listens to include. I want to draw your attention to the text that the Ethiopian eunuch is reading at the time Philip comes alongside his chariot. It is a text about the broken body of God as suffering servant. It is a text in Isaiah 53 that shows us the rejection God experienced, the bodily pain and trauma God experienced out of love. Because God does not want any of us to live lives that God cannot identify with. God is creator and lover and maker, wants us every single aspect of life we go through to be understood by God. And how best for us to know that than for God to undergo the worst of what humanity can do to each other. The eunuch had been through a lot and he was reading about someone who had been through a lot too. And that someone was God because God is the best listener of all. God listens to the cries of the oppressed, the foreigner, the poor, the sexual minority, those who historically have not been allowed in. God listens so well. God chose to take the horrors we do and allow them to be put on God's own self. So all kinds of bodies can find their way home in Jesus. God listens to liberate and restore and love and heal because God desires that everyone come to know their belovedness in God in this life and the next. God listens to everyone, but I would say especially to those on the fringes. 
especially those on the fringes, reminded of the refrain Martin Luther King Jr. used to say, um, we're not free till we're all free. God listens especially to those who are not free, to those who need God's liberating and healing. Is there anything to prevent this Ethiopian eunuch from being baptized? No, there is nothing. He, especially him, is invited into the waters of baptism. And friends, you might think maybe there's something in the way that prevents you from taking steps towards God. Maybe there's something in the way. The good news is that from God's perspective, there isn't anything. There isn't anything. God says, come, get in the water. There's water right here. You can be part of this family too. You can learn and grow. And what I love is that once they go into the waters of baptism, right? Like they, they go in the water, like Philip um, baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch, presumably in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're guessing. He comes out of the water and suddenly the spirit is so excited about this that the Holy Spirit literally like whirls Philip away. I can like view it in my mind as like his own personal tornado. Like he's just like, he's just like whisked away. <laughs> the Ethiopian eunuch is like, okay, like I'm happy. This is a great day. <laughs> and what I love about it is that Philip doesn't stick around to police this man. He doesn't tell him, well, now that you've taken steps of faith, let me tell you, you know, the real deal. No, Holy Spirit is like, okay, you've done your job, and I'm going to send someone else to shepherd this man through his next level of healing. It's not going to be you. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> and instead, actually, Holy Spirit sends Philip to, what, Azotus? What is it called? Um, Azotus. And it's actually a place where the Philistines, um, which were historically enemies of Israel, where their descendants lived. So he goes from this Ethiopian eunuch now to these enemies of Israel where God wants them to know that God is listening to them and has not forgotten about them. Sometimes we listen to exclude. Oh, you voted for them. Or, oh, you want me to use different pronouns that I'm comfortable with. Or, oh, you went to high school there. Oh, you were one of those people. Philip listens to include. He baptizes the eunuch because God has first listened to include. And God longs to bless the entire world through faith and belonging in Jesus and through you and I as we share and listen with care to be part of God's reaching and blessing those around us. Let's pray. God, in this moment, some of us are ready and excited and want to be partners with you. We're like, yes, Lord, speak to me so I can listen well. I can listen with respect and care to go deeper. I can listen to include. Lord, for those of us in this room or online that are in that place, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give them that little nudge of places to go, people to call. Lord, others of us listening are not so sure. Perhaps we've been on the other side and we know what it's like to go to a place and be turned away or to feel like you are not listening. Lord, to those in that place, I pray that each one would grow to, to sense your listening love. And grow to sense your listening love through us, through your church. God, we repent of all the ways that we have not listened with care. We pray that you instill in us a heart that values the world you love, that values each person around us, and that moves to bless them with your loving care. Empower us, Lord. Empower us as we seek to bless your world. And speak to us and heal those of us who need to know that you are real and that you love them.
in Jesus' name, amen.